Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Robots Radio presents... You're listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast, the best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters to those curious about D&D to learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons & Dragons. Hello and welcome to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. My name is Sergio. And I am Mary. And we have a very special episode this week. You know, we usually we are your one-stop shop for D&D lore. It's true. Right? A, a sort of D&D lore shop till you drop type situation, right? Yeah. Got, you know, dozens upon dozens of episodes of lore. You can dive right in and start learning mm-hmm. everything there is to learn behind the creatures and histories and characters of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Uh, but whenever there is a new book from Wizards of the Coast, from an official D&D book, we can't help ourselves. We want to read it. We want to devour it. We want to digest it. Mm-hmm. And we want mm-hmm. to tell you all about it. So that's exactly what we're doing this week. Yes. So what are we covering, Mary? We have that beautiful early access to Keys from the Golden Vault. Right. This book, as of the time of this recording, and maybe by the time you're listening to it, uh, the book does not come out for several days. The book does mm-hmm. not come out until the official release date is February 21st. Uh, but D&D Beyond does this awesome thing where you can pre-order the uh, physical and digital copy. One, that's super dope. Love having access yes, to both of those. It makes me so happy. And two, you get early access to the digital version uh, up to two weeks, which means that we can actually cover it uh, ahead of time. And we're going to keep it spoiler free. We're going yes. to briefly touch over the adventures, uh, a couple of them each in the second mm-hmm. half of the show that kind of that tickle our particular fancy. Mm-hmm. Give a little uh, bit of flavor to it and see, uh, kind of see so you can kind of get a little idea of what sort of things you can find in there. Yeah, but it, like I said, no, we're not going no to spoilers. spoil any adventures for you. We're not going to give you, we're not going to tell you that the boat sinks at the end, and you know, fortunately. Uh, but we, uh, just like, told him about the boat. You weren't oh, supposed we, to mention the boat. The oh yeah, the boat adventure, the boat heist. It's <laughs> like you steal, you steal the heart of the ocean, but the boat sinks, and so you all die. Roll new Oopsie. characters. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, so, yeah, but in the first half of the show, we're going to go through um, like kind of what the book is about, what you can expect from the book. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's 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 very cool. Let's just dive right into it. Let's just get right into the nitty gritty of it all. Yeah. So Keys from the Golden Vault, it bills itself as a collection of heists. 
Mm-hmm. So uh, think like the Oceans, the Oceans movie, Oceans 11, 12, 13, uh, or the Italian Job, or even the Fast and Furious series. I mean, some of those are straight up heist movies, like the one where they That's steal true. the vault in Brazil, I believe, which is like one of the, like, I remember watching the first few Fast and Furious movies and thinking like, okay, like whatever, like these are dumb fun. But that yeah. one, I was like, this is legitimately freaking awesome. This is so ridiculous. And now so they're over the top and cheesy. And now they're flying like um like Hondas in space or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> Hondas in space. Uh so yeah, so think like Ocean's Eleven, Italian mm-hmm. job. Like, hell, you could even think of the great Muppet Caper. That's what I would think of, but that's because my brain's full of Muppets. Yeah, reasons. you are a human Muppet. <laughs> I might be a human Muppet. That's fair. <laughs> You're like uh if you're like if the Muppets made a, a, a Pinocchio like version and you became a real person. <laughs> That's also reasonable. This is also reasonable. Muppet is actually my dog's nickname because he looks like a Jim Henson puppet. That's adorable. Like 100%. Well, then you're going to have to post <laughs> pictures in the Robot Radios Network Discord. Of course. So we'll share uh, pictures of them. Uh, standard adventure build applies meaning that the adventures are designed uh, meant to be played by you know four to six players Mm -hmm. so if you have less than that or you have more than Mm -hmm. that then you might want to scale it up or down appropriately so uh, in each adventure and there are 13 of them in total the players will receive the mission and then plan the heist and then execute their plan and finally and hopefully escape with you know with the booty or uh you know unfortunately or their booties with yeah at least with their booties hopefully Hopefully. with the with the (laughs) booty but at the very least their own booties um but yeah i love how um in each adventure there are different uh endings as far as like if you're able to you know collect whatever was you're trying to uh procure or if you failed or if you kind of succeeded and kind of failed it's pretty cool um, but yeah, uh, in most cases, like I said, this uh, the heist, the mission involves procure, uh, procuring some kind of object. So there is the mission briefing. That's where they're recruited to undertake this specific job. And then there's the the heist planning. The characters investigate the location. Uh, they learn about what obstacles they may need to overcome. And then they strategize about how to complete the job. And so each adventure includes a way for the characters to either create their own map mm-hmm. or at least obtain a map of the location. Right. And this is really cool because each adventure has two different maps. There is the standard DM map, like what you know you normally think of as a as a D&D map. Mm-hmm. And then there is an in-universe map that someone has either uh, created you know uh maybe perhaps it was the person that's that's hiring them for the job mm-hmm. or it's you know the map that the players create themselves mm-hmm. and uh so think like a, almost like a treasure map you know the aesthetic things... is great oh yeah like i mean like looks wise and also uh you know it's not going to be to scale it's not going to be 100 percent accurate mm-hmm. you know they're gonna be like there should be a tree there like well there's no freaking tree here i don't know what to tell you <laughs> So it's a very like fun tech, a uh, very fun mechanic that they've included. I like it. Uh, and then you know the next part is to execute the heist, you know, enacting their plan. And then you know, I I 
said that they were going to be op- they had to learn about the obstacles that they need to overcome. But of course, mm-hmm. unforeseen complications will often arise, which is always fun. Mm-hmm. And then finally, concluding the heist, which, uh, like I said, the the success is determined will determine the reward and right. how the story might progress beyond that if you include it if it's part of like a bigger adventure or campaign. Right. And so much like uh, previous anthologies, like such as uh, Journeys Through the Radiant Citadel, mm-hmm. each adventure can be played as a one shot or it can be incorporated into an already running campaign or it can form a full campaign all to themselves. Just like play them right. back to back to back and yeah. blammo, you've got a campaign. I love it. Okay, so you got to, you know, when you, when you are planning a heist, when you want to execute a heist you Mm -hmm. gotta have a crew right you gotta have a crew gotta have a crew so uh because of the nature of these types of adventures you know certain abilities like uh dexterity like charisma Mm -hmm. and certain skill sets like stealth and persuasion obviously uh they're going to be more desirable than usual right so uh only having characters focused on those talents would make a whole lot of sense like have a whole bunch of like sneaky buggers running around Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that would work great if you are just doing like a one shot, like, hey, let's just like play one of these one night. Let's create some characters really quickly and and start mm-hmm. start to roll in. Uh, or if um, or if you're going to do this as a camp as a full campaign, you know, start off like, all right, this is what we want to do. Let's let's, you know, create these characters and play them out. But, you know, if you are. uh playing these if you're incorporating these into an already existing campaign mm-hmm. you know your brute barbarian isn't all of a sudden going to become overnight like as stealthy as your halfling rogue you know so combat prowess is less important when sneaking through a guarded complex uh, right. whereas like stealth skills with lock picking uh, social skills clever problem solving all that other stuff you know kind of comes to the forefront right so if you are like, you know, like I said, like kind of shoehorning this in to an already existing campaign, it's definitely going to require the characters to practice some teamwork. And yes. additionally, you know, I I recommend going the Ocean's Eleven route when making a plan. If your character builds aren't exactly conducive to the heist genre. Right. Now, for those of you who have not seen the movies, uh, they're, they're, it's a trilogy of heist movies. The main character mm-hmm. is Danny Ocean. Uh, and especially in the first one, that I'll, I'll just go ahead and and, and reference the first one. Uh, in Ocean's Eleven, main character is Danny Ocean. He builds a team. He he recruits an entire team, like the, the Eleven, to rob a casino. Love it. And you might think like, okay, well, they need a whole bunch of sneaky guys. But what's fun is that each member of the team has their own role to play. And they yes. often don't overlap. Like there is a Chinese gymnast character whose job it is to is to sneak into the casino vault, like you know, flipping around and and bending over all the like security lasers. Right. Uh, and then there is this demolitions expert whose job it is to blow the power grid and cause a temporary blackout. So you know, and those uh, and they're on the same team, but those are very obviously different skill sets that they have right so that you know that's to say just because you have a team of pcs 
uh, and only one or two may seem best suited to take part of a heist. You know, it doesn't mean that your tanky characters or your spellcasters can't also take part. Right. They just have a different role. It's not the role of the lockpicker. Right. Uh, it's all about forming a plan that can mm-hmm. and will involve each player and play to their strengths. And of course, you know, uh, allowing players, if you're the DM, allowing players to purchase certain items uh, can further tip the scales in yeah. their direction if need be. You know, you don't want to, you know, you, if you don't want to make it too easy. You know, that's, right. that's been a it's been a gripe as to, you know, the fifth edition is too player friendly. But you also don't want to make it so frustratingly hard that nobody's yep. having fun exactly. and it's miserable because nobody wants to go into it with a character that they thought they were going to get to use for a certain situation and it not work out in a way that meets everybody's needs at the table no exactly and so you know and that and that is a, a lot of that has to come has to come from the players as well as yes. to like what their plan is yeah you know, if you have a brute barbarian you know obviously you know he can't just go in swinging a great sword trying to rob this you know crystal jewel from right this... from a very delicate situation right but maybe he can you know cause a fracas outside a distraction you know start mm-hmm. you know bump into somebody outside the outside the guild master's hall and cause the city guard to have their attention placed on them rather than where it's supposed to be it's where the himbo gets to pretend to be a himbo Yes. Distract him with a bunch of stupid questions. <laughs> and so uh well outfitted characters mm-hmm. are gonna be most more than like more likely to succeed at these adventures. So, you know, stuff like thieves tools, rope, a grappling hook, it might mean the difference between, you know, taking getting a shortcut uh or getting caught. And the other side of that is that you could also things like that that aren't thought of beforehand, like that your players don't think of. Also, you could sprinkle that stuff into any of these vault type situations as well. Any kind of high situation people had been going to do it before you could come across stuff or there's a thousand ways to plug that in. No, yeah. I mean, just talk to, uh, you know, one of the drunks at the local tavern. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, that must that place must be impossible to break into. Like, well, I mean, like, if you had a grappling hook and, you know, uh, detect magic spell, I mean, you probably avoid most of the traps. Stuff like I that, you know. So thought you were about to make a Tenacious D in the Pick of Destiny. Reference. I actually have not seen that movie. I love Tenacious D, but I have not seen the movie. Is that oh. weird? I've seen Tenacious. This D is live really in weird concert. to be on this on side of this side, conversation. Yeah. yeah, it's weird for me to be on the side of the conversation of like, yeah, I've watched this movie a bunch of times. It's the perfect reference, and you're like. <laughs> I got no clue, my I guy. Don't, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't, I, don't I don't understand what you're talking well, about. Well, that's your homework now. So there you go. All right. All right. I have homework now. now. Yeah. Okay, cool. You poor thing. I, oh, no. I have to watch a hilarious, supposedly hilarious movie. It's great. Like star, starring uh, actors who I already love. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be terrible. <laughs> so, like, like I said, there are uh, 13 adventures yeah. in the book. Uh, so let's just run down them really quickly. So um, at level one, you have the Merkmeyer Malevolence, and uh, you're supposed to retrieve a mysterious egg ensconced in a museum to avert disaster. Ooh, sounds spine-tingly dingly. Uh, at level two, you have the Stygian Gambit, rob a Nine Hells-themed casino built with stolen money. Level three is reach for the stars, search for the Celestial Codex in a mansion warped by the Far Realm. 
uh, level four, and this was actually made available for free on D&D mm-hmm. Beyond. Mm-hmm. Prisoner 13 obtained the key to a vault from a spy master imprisoned in Revel's End. And then we have two different adventures at level five. We have Talkworks, Talkworths Clockworks. That's a, <laughs> um, that's what a mouthful. Talkworths Clockworks. Uh, liberate us <laughs> near Meblin Town, besieged by clockwork automatons. <laughs> None of that title wanted anything to do with Dude, you. And it's like it's like let's make sure that Sergio never reads us more than once. Like that, your brain looks at that and goes, <laughs> "Okay, no, okay, let's <laughs> we'll trip through right. it." Okay. Yeah. And then there's masterpiece Imbroglio infiltrate a thieves guild to retrieve a stolen painting. Uh, there's Axe from the Grave, which is not the axe you're thinking of, but at level six, you can recover a stolen mandolin to lay a dead bard spirit to rest, which sounds awesome. That does sound pretty awesome. Level seven is Viterant's Vault. Retrieve a stolen diadem from the vault of a notorious thief. Mm-hmm. And then again, there are two uh, adventures at level eight. Shard of the Accursed. Use a magical shard to mend a giant's broken heart and save a town from destruction. Now that's, that sounds Aww. lovely. That's, yeah, that sounds awe. Uh, and then Heart of Ashes, retrieve a king's heart to save his kingdom from a terrible fate. So that also uh, sounds pretty cool. I mean, that, you know, it's, they both have to do with hearts. They both have to do, you know, saving a, a town or a kingdom from some sort of destruction uh-huh. or terrible fate. But one sounds very like dashboard confessional and one sounds very much like, you know, uh, like, yeah, metal, more like uh, like Black Dahlia murder. That's where my brain went. What's that? So my brain went to Avenge Sevenfold. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, like it's like very like two sides of like the same coin, you know? Yeah. Like, why are you two right next to each other? Like they look the exact same, you know? Like the mm-hmm, the swoopy mm-hmm. haircut, the you know sleeved out tattoos, uh, but one uh, has has an acoustic guitar, and the other is very much plugged in. <laughs> At level nine, affair on the Concordant Express, obtain information from a stranger traveling aboard an interplanar interplanar train. Uh, level ten, you have party at Palazet Hall, snatch a diamond from an archmage in the Feywild, and then at level eleven. You can play Fire and Darkness. Rest the Book of Vile Darkness from an Afridi and his lackeys. Nice. I mean, all of those sound like a bunch of fun. Like, they so, do. And, and what's great is like, you know, they, like they all sound like fun. There are, you know, a, two or three that really like tickle my fancy. And I'll right. talk about a couple of them, like I said, in the second half of the show. Uh, so like I said, it's it's very cool. You can kind of like, you know, like, oh, well, let's run this one. And then uh, then maybe someone else in your group is like, well, I kind of like that one. I want to run I'd this one. Run this, yes. I'm here for it. I love a solid heist. I really do. So what what else can we can we expect from Keys from the Golden Vault? So as you mentioned earlier, um, you mentioned that sometimes these heists come along with complications. Um, so that's one of those things I've got to bring up. Every heist has them. They're always going to happen. And then there's like these, you know, the serious heist icons coming your way. It's where you like, you know, cut to the red carpet, red tapestry pathway. 
OMG, it's unforeseen circumstances. <laughs> like <laughs> crowd scream, all of it shows up. And it's whether, so directly quoting the books, whether they take the form of a rival crew appearing out of nowhere or a treasure that turns out to be fake, complications ratchet up the tension and require the characters to think on their feet if you want to challenge your players consider adding one of the complications below to any of this book's adventures so it goes on to explain um a couple options a couple little things to kind of mix it up a little bit for you um so the first is the moving MacGuffin, and then second you may find yourself coming up against a rival crew get that competition spirit going you know i love that i love that it was Sort of a mechanic they introduced in uh, Netherdeep, called the, of the Netherdeep, uh, mm-hmm. like having this, you know, rival group, this uh, like second second group that's also trying to do what you're doing, mm-hmm. and then you have to at times, you know, at at regular intervals in the adventure, have to deal with them in some capacity. Right, your paths are going to intersect over and over again. Absolutely, it's absolutely what that is discussed in here. Um, so we'll start with our MacGuffin, mostly because it's a fun word. Mostly. Um, mostly. Mostly. And also it's pertinent to what we're discussing. <laughs> so a oh, MacGuffin oh. is a plot device. It's a twofer. Entire, yeah, it's twofer. Its entire purpose is to move the story along or trigger an event or a situation. And examples of this are things that we have all seen or heard a lot of trope type stuff. Um, gems that are required to, I don't know, summon the goddesses of time. A special ring that needs to be thrown into an active volcano. Those sorts of things are MacGuffins. But that's their entire purpose is to move things along. Many of the heists in this book do contain one, which for me, as the DM, personally, I see that as an opportunity. Like, these are great ways to get your players those items that you need them to have to move things along because let's face it sometimes we don't end up where we thought we were going to <laughs> yeah absolutely rarely do we end up where we thought we were going to when playing D, if i'm being completely honest but this way they have a lot of you know plug and play options there but a digress so the moving MacGuffin that they explain in this book would be uh one that used to be stored in one location, but ends up being moved. Um, example, when the opposing side or some rival crew or whatever is hunting for, let's say, a sacred scroll filled with stolen knowledge from the gods or something. Um, they murder attending clerics, demanding its location. Those guarding the scroll knew it was going to happen. Scroll gets like secreted out of the building, you know, last minute, moved to a new place and stashed away there. And then some guy, some drunk at the bar in town heard that there was one survivor and he might know something after your players, of course, go to find the item is missing. So then they're sent somewhere else to look for it. Moving MacGuffin. So it does warn, though, in the book, um, not to keep in mind that using this device, and I absolutely agree with this, not to do it too many times or to do so willy-nilly without it making sense. Because then you're just going to end up with frustrated players that are tired of chasing dead ends. Right. Unless unless y'all are there for a tre- t- uh, like a treasure hunt, in which case go for it. Like, you know, you do you. 
The other potential complication that they mentioned in the book that may come up is the rival crew, which, as Sergio mentioned, kind of a fun option. I think Very it sounds fun. great. It does, yeah. So it's exactly what it sounds like. Just another group of folks chasing down the same thing as you for whatever reasons. Maybe the same set of reasons might be for a different employer. Who knows? That's all, again, at your discretion. Um I that was always a, a trope that I loved including in um like mostly in in campaign when there's like a heist mm-hmm. type uh adventure and a longer campaign there's always the it's like you know whatever whatever this guy is paying you like I'll double it and then the player it's up to the players to decide you know do we just continue on with the original plan do we take this offer and double cross our our you know first benefactor like what do we do Exactly. Exactly. So it's a lot of fun. I think it would be absolutely glorious to do it this way. So when you end up adding this other group, though, um, this, you know, heisting foes, as it were, uh, you can go ahead and start leaving like little bits of evidence and stuff there, too, though, which I like that throwing in more little clues for people to pick up on and things like that. Um, Stuff like traps that have already been triggered or proof of recent disturbances in the environment that you're in and stuff like that. Even going as far as, as you mentioned, having your party run into them a couple times or their paths intersecting frequently throughout it. Um. In discussing this part, though, um, Keys from the Golden Vault gives you several pre-generated characters, like character options uh, to use for this potential rival crew. Um, Also gives you the table showing which stat blocks you should use for whichever level, whichever level your party is up to level 11, which I have a complaint about, but we know I want stuff with higher level we all do. We all do. I, yeah. <laughs> it's just, it just chaps me just the tiniest little <laughs> bit. But that's my only complaint. So after that, we go on to learn about how to use the rival crew um, within the books. It gives you mechanics for how to do this. You decide or roll for whether they're behind your group or ahead of your heist crew. Um, gives you tips how to pay attention to how also paying attention to how your players react to these rivals and whether they try to get there first or to just be done with the mission and thwart them behind them as well. So it just kind of opens that opens up so many more creative role-playing options as well. Um, There's also a list uh, or a table in there as well that lists several different types of motivations um, for all of the adventures, like all of the adventures included, like the rival crew, it gives you a pre-built reason why they're hunting the same thing as you. So it's all pretty cut and dry if you'd like to just grab it and go. <laughs> Which I very greatly appreciate. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, my lack of time for planning. No, lately. exactly. I mean, there's there there's definitely a time and place to be able to modify and adapt and tweak mm-hmm. the game exactly to your liking. Absolutely. And there's sometimes like, look, I want to roll some dice. I don't mm-hmm. have a whole lot of time. I just want to get down and dirty with it. Like, I give me what you got. Thing. Mm-hmm. But it does. It has everything situated so that you can readjust as much or as little as you want to. And so before we get to the middle of the show and then subsequently uh, talk about the adventures that that Mary and I particularly love, 
or like like lo- that we live that we live that we, we like them. and love we do both right? of those it's things. true we do so, like them a little bit uh so keys from the golden vault like wh- the, where does that name come from well it's because the golden vault is introduced as a as an organization that hires characters to undertake these heist adventures and so like it, you can it, any 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 sort of uh patron or organization can be used mm-hmm. to hire your player characters absolutely to, you know to rob this um this jewel or to uh save this uh sniff uh, sniff nirblin town what? bless you it's verf neblin nerf town uh but in the book if you want to use the uh the golden vault they have uh they've created this whole organization so yes. uh it's rumored to be associated with metallic dragons mm-hmm. it's a secretive organization that has its base on one of the good aligned outer planes and so their pri- their motto their, their motto reflects its primary motivation which is do good no matter the cost which no. uh which i would guess puts it in the realm of chaotic good i believe so immediately following that sentence missions from the golden vault are often illegal but they always support a just moral cause i sound like a brainwashing computer (laughs) so it's one of those things like look like (laughs) we're trying to right some sort of wrong some sort of injustice and as you see um based on as, as you dig into the adventures as to why you're being hired you know why mm-hmm. you're, uh, you know why this mission should be undertaken. It's usually because like somebody has been wronged in some sort of way, mm-hmm. and and uh and some sort of justice needs to be needs to be paid to right. to the wrongdoers. Uh, it says that once an adventuring group proves it, proves itself effective and virtuous, an operative approaches the characters to offer them membership, and should they accept, its members join the ranks of the Golden Vault. And the person who invited them usually becomes their handler for future missions, mm-hmm. and they include a uh, an NPC who's just like that. And we'll get we'll right. get to her in just a second. Yeah. So the keys from the Golden Vault. These are neat. Very cool. So as I collect, you I collect co- keys. I collect well, yeah, a little bit. I collect music boxes. Oh, okay. So yeah. So go ahead. If, so yeah, I thought let, it was. Let yeah, I know. Thought it, I thought it was neat. So. When they become a Golden Vault operative, um, your players and or player characters are going to receive an ornate key-operated music box from their handler. Um, so every one of the adventures in this book explains to you how to use the Golden Vault um, in that adventure as well. Um, so it explains them dispatching a golden key to the group, um, usually via some kind of hired courier. And this key is then inserted into the character's music box and turned. The box pops open, plays a message that assigns them a heist, tells them, you know, whatever it is they need to do and sends them on their way. And after that, box closes, key vanishes. And it just makes me think of Charlie's Angels. Right. Or Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible. Yeah. You've got this like mission control kind of situation that's communicating with you from afar sending you on these heists and whatnot like i said that the the handler that you usually have is uh is the person that invited you to the group and then usually is is your charlie essentially right 
And so the the one that they've included in in Keys from the Golden Vault goes mm-hmm. by the name Mira Rahir. And yep. essentially, uh, when she was young, she um, her mothers worked uh, were kind, upstanding, you know, members of the city. They worked as city yep. clerks. Uh, as, as they were investigating some financial irregularities, the unscrupulous mayor framed them for embezzlement to cover his own corruption. Of course, he did. And but and the only evidence that would clear them that that would clear her mother's innocence. Uh, was a stack of letters between the mayor and his conspirators. Because of course, like whenever you're doing something illegal, you want to put everything in writing. <laughs> That's they always do. They always do. It's Villain's like a, it's like villain. a super villain, like monologuing. You know, it is. Yeah, like go ahead and monologue, buddy. I know it's coming. And so, but luckily for the Rahirs, a crew of Golden Vault operatives infiltrated the mayor's office, got the letters, revealed the crimes, and you know, uh, and were able to exonerate. Uh, both women. Right. And so now, you know, uh, my, uh, Mira works as a, you know, follows, follows in her parents' footsteps, works as a city clerk, fights, you know, corruption and is a member of the golden vault. And I love this. It says that Mira lives and breathes city protocols, procedures, and statutes. She also understands that sometimes doing the right thing means operating outside the law. It's nice to see a character with morals like mine. (laughs) <laughs> there you go you see you see yourself in mira that's good i do i do well we're going to take a quick little break and go to the middle of the show we're going to thank our patrons we're going to yes. discuss all the news that's going on in the world of dungeons and dragons and we're going to mm-hmm. get into some homebrew fun Woo-hoo. before we uh before we talk about a couple of the adventures that we love mm-hmm. Welcome to the middle of the show. It's so middly. It's it's nice and middly in here. It is. It's not not too beginningy, not too endingy. That's very middly. You added at least three extra syllables there. I'm from the south. We do that to a lot of words. You are from California. All right, I was infected by the cell. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you had a good old boy bite you. Now you're infected. I'm infected. I got the southerner. It's it's um. There's Terrifying. no cure. No known cure. No known cure for this. I promise. <laughs> so let's go ahead and thank our patrons really quickly. Thank yes. you so much to our patrons, including yes. uh, both Brian C's, uh, Darkwing. Uh, Tex, uh, Peter M, uh, Josh H. Thank you all so much for supporting the show yes. uh, through patreon.com slash DD Lorecast. Uh, you know, if you awesome. are, yeah, if you're interested in, in helping the show in this way, you can do so by going to the website. You also get uh, stickers and merch and yes. bonus content, patron plus installments, bonus episodes, all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, when, when we built the Patreon, we, we designed it with, with benefits and perks that, that we would have liked to see like yeah, right. if we were if we were fans of the show mm-hmm. and so uh mary what are some other ways that they can uh that they can support the show oh gosh we are we are starting to just be everywhere guys everywhere. we are infiltrating all the social medias and it's beautiful and glorious we are dnd lore cast everywhere uh we are on twitter we are on the instagrams we are building the tiktoks um you can find us in the robots radio discord uh the robots radio network discord we have our own channel there um 
you can shoot us an email if you like, you know, at dndlorecast at gmail.com or just like if you're not the talking type, just go and give us, leave us a review, rate us on whichever app you are listening to us on because all of that helps. Every little bit of it helps. It helps the algorithm of it all. Mm-hmm. And good old fashioned word of mouth too. Oh yeah, that too. But yeah, we uh, tell everybody. Uh, like you said, we uh, we already are all, we're already on the Twitter. The Twitter and the Instagram are in full swing, and we are currently mm-hmm. building not only the TikToks but also the Twitches. Yes. And so we are very excited about what year four of the D and D Lorecast holds. Mm-hmm. We are working on acquiring things to make it even mo better. Mo better. And speaking of mo better, what what cool stuff has been announced in the past uh, couple of days for D and D? Well, I was perusing the interwebs, and they announced that a new Mini Mates box set is uh, is coming out for pre order. Now, uh, you can go online and pre order the uh, Mini Mates Hero set. Mm-hmm, it's six mm-hmm. figures uh, for about fifty bucks, and it includes all the heroes from the nineteen eighties. Uh, D&D cartoon. Now, for this mini mate set, it's the villains. So you'll be getting uh, War Duke, you'll be getting Venger, uh, you'll be getting a couple of, uh, you'll be getting Venger's uh, uh, Steed, which I believe is called Nightmare. Uh, and then, of course, you also get the the Dungeon Master, not because he's a villain, uh, but because, you know, he wasn't included in the hero set and that they wanted to include him. Right, right. But yeah, in there. it includes Venger, War Duke, Dekian, the Skeleton Warrior, a Shadow Demon, and plus, like I said, Nightmare, and then the uh, the Dungeon Master figure nice. as well. And so you'll be able to pre-order that uh, starting uh, February 17th. Uh, that's slated for release in fall 2023. Uh, I mean, so yeah, if if you are a if you are a D and D simp like I am, you're yeah. probably going to want to have these on your shelf, like I will. True. I mean, I, I don't make, I don't, you know, pick bones about. It. I, let's say, I am what I am. I'm, I, I'm not look, you're going to apologize. For I am unapologetically D&D. simping for D and D. I'm here for it. I'm I here for this. It. I am too. I this. And uh, in keeping with the keys from the Golden Vault heist theme, mm-hmm. uh, we wanted to give some our, some, some of our own homebrew this week. <laughs> couple little items couple we little wanted things. to include uh some homebrew items uh, the, of our creation that might help with uh with any one of these heists that you might be planning in keys from the golden vault or or something original Ooh. a homebrew item for a homebrew adventure mm, so maybe you want to go first homebrew i do mine's not anything super complicated or complex or over the top it's just a little tiny thing that might be helpful in any of those situations so and and that's what's fun about homebrew they don't have to be game changers yeah it doesn't have to be something this one's not this is just a little bitty thing it's just a small you could use a ring or you could keep him in a little vial or something of that sort on your hand so what i have is a small little acid blob guy kind of think of an ooze but tinier Um, that can be kept with your player and he is able to be used to disable one trap or dissolve the inner workings of one lock one time per dungeon. And then he needs to rest until you get to your next place. Of course, if you want to change his frequency, go for it. 
that he's just a little bitty acid dude that uh helps you get through to the next location or the next little spot that you get to so if your players get stuck it's kind of a way to kind of you know get in motion a little bit of a, a fast pass if you will a fast pass i always pay extra for those i don't I, actually I've never I will that. stand in line. I will wait in line. As, I will wait in line. As However, our, for, as the, our forefathers intended. I will wait in line like we were meant to, waiting forever. Um, I, however, do not have a name for this cute little acidic uh, bottle of ooze thing. Oh, so uh, if you're listening, do you have a name? You yeah. Definitely shoot us a, a message either on the Robots Radio Network Discord, on email, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on Twitter. What should we name this little ooze Mary I, has created? I need you to picture him very kawaii, very uwu with the big old eyes. Of course. Of course. <laughs> uh, the I think homebrew- I just watched the light fade a little bit in Sergio's <laughs> <laughs> Of course. Uh, the homebrew item that I have created is I do have a name for it because that's oh. I can't ever discuss I can't ever bring a homebrew item to the table without having a name for it. I'm real um, bad at titling stuff. And also um I have to have um, some sort of alliteration or some sort of yeah. like like it's got to have something you know to it. Uh this is the creeping chrysanthemum. And this is a flower. This is a a chrysanthemum flower that you can wear somehow you can pin it onto your armor you could weave it into your mm-hmm. like braid it into your hair uh just have it on you at you somehow right now this creeping chrysanthemum will give you advantage on one stealth check per long rest okay and once you use it the petals wilt and fall off but once you accomplish your long rest the flower rejuvenates the petals come back and you're able to use it again. Now, this is cool for the heist because you want to think like, oh, I, I got, I essentially have advantage on a cell check. I kind of get a mulligan. But at what point do you want to use it? Right. So is this before? So I would assume you have to choose to use it before you know the results of the roll on your stealth check? Yes. Or, ooh, sneaky. You say, you know, you say like, you have to sneak past these guards you have right. to, you know, and call your intention, call your shot, essentially mm-hmm, say, I mm-hmm. want to, I want to use my creeping chrysanthemum and roll with advantage. I like it. If you had gone with a carnation, then you could have used the uh, aforementioned Southerner voice and a what incarnation. But, you know, there's jokes to be made there. Are there, Fate, there are, are there jokes? There are always are, jokes are there and jokes sarcasms. And puns. That's what my little ooze guy feeds off of is puns and sarcasm. I mean, was that's that's gotta be he's so, well fed. That's gotta be incorporated into the name somehow. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. So yeah, so there you go. You're we have your unnamed ooze. We're still looking for a name mm-hmm. and the creeping chrysanthemum. Use those. Let us know if you do. Let us know how they oh, work yeah. out. Yeah. And uh with that, let's let's jump into the end of the show and talk about a couple of these adventures. Yes. Let's go. Welcome back as we wrap up our first impressions on Keys from the Golden Vault. Uh, we're going to do so by talking about a couple of the adventures. Nothing, like I said at the beginning of the show, nothing spoilery. We're not going to ruin any right. of the adventures. 
but we do want to talk about a couple of them that you know at at on surface level like tickle our particular fancies. Right. Yeah. They appeal uh, to us. One of them for me is the second level adventure, the Stygian Gambit. Uh, the brief description to start it off says, at the Afterlife Casino, a three-dragon anti-tournament called the Grand Monaro's Invitational awards one winner with a sizable purse and the Golden Irene's, a.k.a. the Furies, statuette. Ooh. A former gambler with a score to settle hires the characters to steal the statuette as well as gold from the casino's vault before the tournament ends and the winner is declared. The characters must case the casino, steal what they came for, and escape. So aside from, I mean, this is like Ocean's Eleven, yeah, you know, which is a movie I love, uh, you know, where you're robbing a casino. Aside from that, uh, a lot of the reason why I uh, really am drawn to this is like the mini game aspect of it. Because you are in a casino, uh-huh. it gives you mechanics on how to play several of the casino games. Like uh, there's life and death, which is a dice game played between the house, which is represented by the, by a dealer and a player. Mm-hmm. Uh, while up to five players can sit at a table, their only opponent is the house. So they're, they're not okay. in competition with each other. It's just the players versus the house. Right. And so to play, each player places a bet. And once bets have been placed, the house and the players each roll a D20. If a player rolls okay. dealer uh, lower than the dealer, the house wins. A player who rolls higher than a dealer reclaims the money they bet and then wins that same amount from the house. And then I love that. I mean, very simple. I mean, very, very simple mechanic. Uh, and something that can be incorporated into like other, you know, other adventures. Like you know, this could be easily played like in a tavern, you know, at a at a back table. I love it. And much like the card game war, there is a like a tie option where you go to war. Uh, a player who ties with the house has two options, either surrender and lose half their bet, or they can go to war, in which case the player must double their bet, and then they, the player and dealer both roll again. Then there's a push-your-luck mechanic where if the player wins a roll of life and death, uh, they can opt to push their luck on their next bet. In this case, they bet everything they won on the last roll, uh, you know, which is what their bet was, plus they, what they won from the house. And if they win the second roll, the house doubles their bet. I like it. Uh, there are also uh, copper slots. Uh, these machines referred to by some casino patrons as tricky devils oh. are clockwork devices that accept copper coins. And uh, it's really cool. Uh, you know, they explain like what they look like uh, and how they work. Uh, but the like the mechanic that the players will be using is mm-hmm. between one and nine copper coins is what they bet, you know, what they put in. And then they roll 5d6, which uh, represents the five uh, different like uh, reels, you know, on the slot machine. And the goal is to roll as many of the same number on the dice as possible. And so if you roll three of a kind, your payout is two to one, four of a kind, your payout is uh, four to one, and five of a kind, your payout is 10 to one. Again, very like just simple, easy, and but fun mechanics. And my favorite, though, is the Three Dragon Ante, which it, this is an actual game. This is an actual like, game that you can buy, uh, Three Dragon Ante. You can buy it, you know, online, you know, uh, retailer at your friendly local gaming store. Uh-huh. And so you can play the card game for real as part of this adventure, which is, I thought, dope. 
In that fact, is really cool. They should include, there should be a bundle that includes the book and a pack of three dragon anti cards. That would be really neat. Uh, but you can, neat. if you don't have the card deck, you can use D12s and they include right. a, a rule set on how to play the game using uh, D12s. So again, like I said, it's the idea of robbing a casino, the idea of doing an, an Ocean's Eleven in D&D mm -hmm. is dope enough as it is. But having right. these sorts of mini games attached to it is also a lot of fun. I love it. What's uh which which adventure? I I, I think I know which one it was because as soon as I read the description, I I think I took a screenshot of it and messaged you, and I'm like, "This is you." <laughs> you definitely like, you definitely told me. Well, I already know which one's your favorite before I had ever even like cracked the book open. Yep. digitally cracked it open clicked the book open there we go clicked it open <laughs> um so yeah no my my favorite of them that i had come across so far was absolutely talkworth's clockworks um i have the softest spot for Sverf neblin i do always will i adore them uh this is one of the ones that is for fifth level adventurers and in the book, it reads, the clockwork automatons that guard the Sverf Neblin town of Little Lockford have attacked the very residents they were meant to keep safe, forcing a townwide evacuation. At the heart of the matter is security overseer Tixie Talkworth, a tinkerer who has turned malicious. In this adventure, the characters must enter Little Lockford, recover a security key, and use it to activate a fail-safe device that shuts off the automatons. So while gnomes are going to get me there quicker, like that's going to be an instant, instantly going to grab my attention. What did it for me is the aesthetic of this location too, and just kind of the whole vibe going on there. So it's a very steampunk-esque, but this town, um, Little Lockford, is due to its strategic location... <laughs> <laughs> um it is built into how does this how's this explained the town is situated in a vast cavern tinged red with magma that flows through the channels that separate the various districts by and large the town is well maintained with streets and buildings composed of graystone bricks other noteworthy features you know are explained later in it so it's got you know various bridges that connect these different sections of towns most of the buildings are a little like one story stone structures but the there's a few of them that have that are like moats so there's these like flight floating islands in this underground volcanic lair with a tinkerer who has slowly turned herself mechanical and it just gets a little crazy. And there's a little bit of a sci-fi aspect to it, too, that really did it for me. All the machines, because, you know, the person who makes them turns evil. Now the machines are attacking the town and you have to turn them all off and save everybody. And I it's so tropey and I love it so much because of that. Oh, yeah, like I said, I I took, the, you I took knew. the message. I messaged you and I was like, a.k.a. The Merry Adventure. The Merry Adventure. Like it's right in your wheelhouse. And that's what's cool. Like I, I love the fact that you'll find you'll likely find something that you're that absolutely will... like 100 percent down for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you might even mm -hmm. find a couple, but you know, they're all they all seem like a whole lot of fun. 
they're all pretty solid. I do love the um the way that it has the when you're using the golden vault as your patron and the uh, music box pops open and it says and a soothing voice says the following i love these little intros for every single one of these that starts with you know greetings operatives i i just hear it in the very soothing Oh, 007-esque, here's your next mission, Bond right, exactly. voice. <laughs> Greetings, operatives. Right. And I love it so much. I've been waiting for heist stuff because I've had a hard time finding things that I could plug into the adventures that I already have running. So this is definitely scratching an itch. Absolutely, yeah. It's, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Like I said, for me... Uh... You know, being like I, I've got one ongoing campaign that I'm a part of, mm-hmm. um, and and so I don't I I don't really have a whole lot of time for something else with that sort of like time commitment, right? And so being able to get one of these adventures, you know, mm-hmm. work through it really quickly and play it, you know, over one session, that's Absolutely. that's gangbusters for me. Like you've got me like that's why right. I love Journeys Through the Radiant Citadel so much. I've already yes. like I said, already ran Written in Blood. I want to run mm-hmm. more, uh, mm-hmm. and so like I, Candle I go Keep in... is the same way. No, yeah, like all the anthologies. That's what are, I used to similar. open. That's what I used to open one of my campaigns was uh, one of the stories from the Candlekeep Mysteries. It's the Book of the Raven, actually. I it really definitely will it. help a, a DM who might need a little bit of time to, you know, um... right. Hey, I don't quite have this next part ready, but right. hey, somebody. They want you to meet with somebody instead, and then you send them on one of these. Exactly, I love it. And really quick, I had, I had before we before we sign off, I had to mention Fire and Darkness, which is the highest level cam- uh, adventure that they have mm-hmm. for eleventh level characters. Uh, I had to mention it because it includes one of my favorite bits, like one of my favorite items in D anD D lore. So, four centuries, a powerful Afridi named Vrakir sent his armies against numerous foes and burned countless cities to ash. Now the tyrant has found an artifact of unimaginable evil, the Book of Vile Darkness. <laughs> In this heist, the heroes must infiltrate Brimstone Hold, the prison fortress where Vrakir has locked away the Book of Vile Darkness and escape with the Afridi's prize. So uh, the Afridi is uh, a type of genie, the one that's native mm-hmm. to the elemental plane of fire, uh, and the Book of Vile Darkness, of course, we did uh, one of our um, Patreon Plus installments for the um, Vecna episodes. Oh. It, we discussed the Book of Vile Darkness. Mm-hmm. It's a fantastic bit of lore. I love it so much. Uh, it's one of my like there is a there are a, there's a third edition and a fourth edition mm-hmm. uh, book of the same name. It's not the it's not an in universe copy of it, but rather just you know a book that shares a similar title, right? Uh, and the third edition uh, version that I have is one of my most prized possessions. I love it so much. It's so dark and disgusting and and vile. And if you know me, you know that's that's what I love. Yes, I love that's on brand. As soon as I saw Book of Vile Darkness, I was like, Ah, yeah. Sergio, I, love it. I I love Taylor Swift, and I love the most brutal of metal <laughs> so and which one of us is the one with the uh ravenloft mod and stardew valley again is that you that, that's no? not that's or, still uh, you that's still you still me? Okay. that's still you 
Um, but yeah, so like I said, anything, and I, I do believe, like the, the Book of Vile Darkness is included in the 5th edition Dungeon Master's Guide as like one of the like um, like powerful artifacts in the magic item section. Heck um, yeah. But I don't think it's ever appeared like in an adventure otherwise. <gasps> I think this is the first time oh, it's shown up like that's in game. You know, so it's very exciting for me personally. I am so excited for it. And so, yeah, I just had to, I had to yes. mention that the Book of Vile Darkness is here. It's ready to destroy. And also like the adventure itself, it seems like a less like, you know, Ocean's Eleven, like heisty. Mm-hmm. Like it's still a heist. You still have to like sneak into this place, right. steal something and burn off. But burn off, you know, haha, a freebie, <laughs> elemental plane of fire. Yeah, uh, I can make puns too. Good job. But I'm it also so seems, proud. it also seems like your more standard dungeon crawl, albeit with a more uh like you know like like we like we're we are trying to sneak in and sneak out, so you got to be a little bit more careful rather than like all right, what's behind this door? So it's kind of like it's it's like a stealthy dungeon crawl, which I like. Ooh, I do like that too. I I like that too. Good old who doesn't like a good old fashioned dungeon crawl? By guard, it's been a while. Man, it has. Well, thank you so much for listening. We hope that uh, if you are picking up Keys from the Golden Vault, that you enjoy Mm it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if you do, if you're running some of the adventures, let us know. Let us know how they are. Let us know how you, uh, if you're the DM, how you enjoyed them, or if you're a player, how you enjoyed them. We love to hear all the feedback, all the news, all like, if we want to hear about your campaign, we want to hear about your gaming session. Yes, please. Like we will never be like, oh, this, you know, we're uh, talking about what someone happened. Someone wants to talk about D and D again. Like we will always like chomp at the bit for that it's stuff. It's true. It's true. Thank you so much for listening, for allowing yes, the D and D Lorecast to uh, be a part of your life for this short amount of time. We hope to uh, mm-hmm. we hope that you uh, come back to the tower and Absolutely. enjoy us next week. My name is Sergio, and I'm Mary. Fare thee well, dear listener, and until we meet again. May all your 20s be natural. Thanks for listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with a friend, following us on Twitter at DNDLorecast, or jumping on the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons & Dragons. We'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.